Again, good morning. Um, uh, again, it's a privilege uh, for me to uh, stand again and even nervous, or maybe my wife is so nervous than me. But thank God, uh, it's also I thank God that uh, with the elders, yeah, we are complete. It's very rare for us to gather and I thank God and I'm so blessed and encouraged that when we are ever here, uh, physically present with one another, we pray with one another and it's really an encouraging for us to to have uh, a brother in Christ in in these uh, elders to to pray physically with one another and I praise God for that and uh, and when pastor was asking me to uh, of course uh, from time to time either one of the deacons or one of the elders will be asked to preach and uh, I really uh, when uh, it's really um, sometimes excuses right but uh, like me I have a lot of excuses but when uh, Pastor started the uh, series in the book of Exodus, I see myself uh, identify with Moses. Because Moses is old, now I'm old also. And I'm not that young. So I have a lot of excuses. I'm not that eloquent. Uh, actually, I don't have any like, mm, uh, like uh, what's called this uh, biblical or... Uh, can you go to college or no uh what you call this when you yeah theologic, uh, theological background or whatsoever uh, and like Moses right some excuse why not send uh, yeah for us it's very yeah I see when a deacon or oh, why you maybe uh why not him <laughs> Why not? Like Moses, why not my brother Aaron? <laughs> so ultimately, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, praise God that. Um, so when uh, I uh, pastor and uh, ask me, oh, what you preach? Oh, uh, it seems that uh, this topic of Holy Spirit. Oh, maybe you can use uh, that book. Uh, uh, first, I don't know this book. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, well, some of most of the uh, things that uh, included the message is uh, is uh, influenced by this book uh, by Francis Chan. I don't know if you uh, have heard of Francis Chan, the crazy love author, and now he has this book, Forgotten God. So, Forgotten God. Uh, it says Forgotten God, and in uh, Open and close parenthesis, it says, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. So I was curious, what is this forgotten God and then neglecting or reversing our neglect of our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit? And mind you, uh, when I, uh, I listened to some of his preaching online and then I read this book 
and he himself uh, struggled and uh, he was saying I, I uh, grew up in a uh, conservative church and I don't remember the pastor preaching more of the Holy Spirit. It seems for him it was quote-unquote, neglected, ignored. And in this church, I uh, got the permission of one of the deacons who last preached. I was in Kai, but it's, I, I told him, brother, it's too short, but I was blessed. It's very effective. And it's about the Holy Spirit. And as far as I remember, he took it from the book of Ephesians. And he tied it with this uh, the Holy Spirit that was given to us. It's in accounting term, right? Uh, but nevertheless, uh, later on, I think uh, you might touch that uh, when we come to this uh, Holy Spirit. Um, so this morning, um, we will see the scenario here. And I encourage you to read, when I started reading this chapter, which uh, before I read that book, Forgotten God, I was thinking, how can I get a message where the Holy Spirit was mentioned? And the first thing I went is the book of John. So with Francis Chan, he himself, I started reading the book of John, spe uh, specifically three chapters. That's why in, the, in our text, we jump from 14, 15, 16. And I encourage you, when I read this, from, uh, not only once, twice, twice, uh, I started to see, um, in fact, the manifestation of the Trinity. Well, of course, that's another sermon. We will not go to, to that uh, sermon. Uh, even uh, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, uh, living in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a lot of preaching in, uh, in regards with the Holy Spirit. But this morning, when I read these uh, three chapters, primarily all the three chapters, 14, 15, and 16 of the book on the Gospel of John, I then suddenly I found that three things, and it started with P. They say that Baptists are really uh, good in this, uh, the three P's, or whatever. but I, I found in the peace. So first, the promise, then Secondly, the purpose. And lastly, the power. So the promise of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray to God that uh, this message will really, uh, uh, again, bring us back that uh, when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So uh, let us pray for a while. Uh, dear God and every Father, at this time I pray, Father God, that uh, you know I'm just limited, Father God. You know that, um, but as you have promised to each and every one who trusted you, that you have given that that spirit of truth, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit of promise in us. I just depend, Father God, from your word, that the Holy Spirit in me and that through him in him, that the word will be preached, not from my word or my mouth, but truly through the word. And we know, Father God, that if we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus himself. Thank you, Father God. At this time, just open it, each and every one's heart that you receive, will, that your word will be received with openness in mind, in heart, and soul. Thank you, Father God. And we just commit this day to you, Father God, that your name will be glorified. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus was uh, preparing to leave the earth, we will see how he comported his disciples, telling them not to worry, but instead to trust in him. Hence, we can read in the start of John, in chapter, John chapter 4, verses 1, which is, I'm sure most of you have already uh, memorized or have uh, really, uh, 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 I mean, uh, have this like your life verse. But here, he uh, tried to comfort the disciples. Because here we, we know that he will be leaving soon. But this is the comfort. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am I, where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. So here's the scenario. So he had proven his faithfulness to them the past years. They had journeyed together. First, he comported them by telling them that the separation would be only temporary and that he was going to prepare a place for them that as we have read in these three verses second not only that he told them that he was going to be with God the Father and that even from there he could hear 
their prayers. And we can see that again in the same chapter, 14, verses 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works that they will he, will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he was telling, yeah, I will go. Don't worry. Uh, I will be back soon. But... I will go and I will go to the Father. But if you pray, I will still hear you. He says, whatever you ask, anything, I will still, uh, up there in heaven, I will, and anything in my name, just ask, I will do it. But finally, Jesus gave the disciples the ultimate reassurance. In verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father and will give you another helper. So another helper. Uh, in ESB, it was yeah, used as helper, the Holy Spirit, translated as helper, even the New King James Version, but in other translations, maybe you have been reading in different versions of the Bible, why some have used comforter. Is the Holy Spirit is also translated as comforter, advocate, or even counselor, encourager. So another helper would come. Jesus said that the Father will give the disciples another helper or advocate, comforter, encourager, counselor to be with them forever. So, in this case, the Greek word for another is alos. Means another that is just like the first. You see, later on, when I study this, it's like confusing. Even the, um, the disciples, they're somewhat uh, cannot believe. Another, they might say, another helper, same like you, because it says, means another that's just like the the first or another of the same kind as opposed to another that is of a different sort or kind. So Jesus saying this, uh, it seems that Jesus was saying that the one, another helper, Holy Spirit, would come would be just like him. He was telling, don't worry, I just sent another helper, comforter, advocate, just like me. So, it seems that um, 
another just like you, but you're going to the Father and still you prepare a place for us and then when you ask anything in your name, you will answer us. But interestingly, again, the Apostle John, why we may ask why the Apostle John use the Greek word paraclete to refer to the Holy Spirit. When you look at that, that uh, Greek word that the Apostle John used, mind you, uh, the Apostle John is one of the closest uh, disciples of Jesus, right? Even when we study the book of Revelation, it was given to not Peter or other, but to the beloved John. So here in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, use the Greek word paraclete to refer to the Holy Spirit. So we'll see how another coincides with how John used it as paraclete to refer to the Holy Spirit. First, para means beside. And klit or kalin means to call. There you are. So para means beside and klit or kalin means to call. As believers, we can turn to the Holy Spirit to call Him to our side. To be with us. To teach us how to live as disciples of Christ, to comfort us and to help us. You see, uh, Jesus was telling to them, don't worry, I'll be with you. Not only on their side or alongside with them, but the Holy Spirit will be inside them. You see, this how, uh, when I'm studying this, even the, um, at this time, I believe the disciples were confused. And it was hard for them to grasp that thing, another helper who is just like him, and then like feeling just beside him. As you know, as I have said, that the three years of Christ's ministry, can see that how close the disciples are. He says there, as for them, they still prepare and feels better to have a human Jesus on their side, among whom they could talk and eat and love with. You can see with the three years ministry of Christ, three, three and a half years, you can see how the disciples become closer or close already to Christ and this now is living. We can see that they still prepare, right? And uh, my new, it's really hard. I remember when um, back in 1988, uh, allow me to, to uh, I was going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Mind you, just three years. Like this disciple, I was, I, I, 
when when disciples then I remember we got married 1985 and then suddenly after three years of marriage close already with another then I will say oh sorry I, I have to go to Saudi Arabia so what you will feel uh, my wife will say I know her he prepares me always physically present beside her always you know it's still uh, uh, even now even now when I like, I used to go when we came here, eh, I was able to work uh, with a uh, consultant with the Rogers. And then Rogers, we have to prepare projects, design. But I have to go as far as Sarnia. And then we have to be there for a week to sleep. Uh, not back and forth, but it's too far. So the company will say, just stay there. We have to, but for my wife, she, she cannot. She wants me always to be beside her, right? Even though I, I will call her, no, I want to be beside. I will be with you in spirit. <laughs> no, no, I think that's the way how uh, when I'm, it, it's really hard to, when I, it's really hard to fathom how Jesus Christ, I will be Mind you, sometimes uh, I know the song that we sing this one, right? Jesus beside me, and I know the Sunday school, but I forget. But there's someone like that. Uh, that's why when uh, somebody uh, say, "If we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus Christ Himself with us, beside us." So I think that's how uh, when Jesus say, "I will send another." One that will be like me, just like me, and will be you will feel that beside. You know? But this time, the Holy Spirit will be in you. So, so it feels better that disciple feels better to have a human Jesus on their side, like my wife is better for her to be me physically on her side. A man whom they could talk and eat and love with. Done for a spiritual spirit that they, they could not physically see. So however, Jesus continues to comfort and encourage them. Thus, in chapter 14 again, He keeps on encouraging them in verse 25-27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the Word gives, do I give to you. Let, again, same verse 1, again, Jesus Christ repeat again this same word. Let not, see, let not your hearts be troubled. Again, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. That's why I understand now why the Holy Spirit is somewhat translated 
comforter. So when you say that, it's like they're being comforted, right? So here, in the, again in, in chapter 15, he continues, Jesus continues to comfort, encourage them. 26-27 of chapter 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. It's true enough that he, the disciples had been with them from the, from the start of Christ's ministry. But again, like my wife, still prepares my, still, the, it seems that the disciples are not really convinced yet. But to no avail, for sorrow has filled the disciples' hearts. Still, sabi nga, Siguro mga babae talaga emotional eh. So, the disciples seems they're emo emotional. It seems it says there, but to no avail for sorrow. You see, in, in spite of all those encouragement, com comfort that Christ is giving them, still in, in, in chapter 16, verse 6, it says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. But nevertheless, really very patient ang Panginoon. Jesus Christ is so patient with them. Nevertheless, continued with the final encouragement in chapter 16, 7 to 14. So we read, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, so, it is to your advantage. Mark that word. The advantage, some translation, it says, for it's better for you. Or it's best for you. An advantage for you. That I go away. For if I do not go away, it's obvious. If you want me to stay with you, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So again, it's for your advantage. It's for your own good. It's, it's for your best. So, now, the promise and then, these are the purpose. It's for your advantage. Because the purpose is really, in verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the word concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged or Satan, in some translations, the prince of this world. But actually, we will not talk about, I think this is another sermon, conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
You see? He's saying, even I'm still not starting yet. It seems that you are sad. You, and then your sorrow fills your heart. Say, so I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of Truth, again, uh, the Holy Spirit is always uh, interchangeably used as the Spirit of Truth. In some, there's some situation, there's like Spirit of Life. Here, the Spirit of Truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of on His own authority, but whatever he hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has in mind, therefore I said that, He will declare it to you. So, it seems a wait and see in regards with the disciples' situation. None of the times that us, what I mean, more for them, there are more questions than answers at that point in time in their life. They just believe when Jesus Christ, it is, your, it is for your own advantage. It is for your own good. It's best for you that I live. And you'll see the purpose. But later on, there will be more you will see. But for them, they don't know how at first and when exactly the Holy Spirit would come. So many things to say by Jesus that they cannot bear yet, as mentioned in verse 12. Then before Jesus ascended into heaven, he left this critical message in Acts chapter 1, 7. You will see the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 7 and 8. It is not for you to know times or season that the Father speaks by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be what my witnesses in Jerusalem in, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now these are the same disciples who were dedicated to following Jesus no matter what. But we scattered as soon as Jesus was arrested. And here they were gathered together no doubt confused about how they should proceed now that Jesus has ascended. Yet, when the Holy Spirit descended and indwelt them, a radical church changed a card. From that point on, none of these disciples was ever the same. 
Because we will see in Acts chapter 2 is the coming of the Holy Spirit, the pouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. I will read chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But here, we will not go as far as that thing, what happened. They were just surprised of the pouring of the Holy Spirit. They were no longer the same. From that point on, none of these disciples was ever the same. They were no longer timid or confused. They were bold and inspired and began to declare and live the gospel of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can see that in Acts chapter 4. I will not go and read all those things, but here the scenario is in Acts chapter 4, when you read through from 7 to 12, we see Peter preaching, and they were amazed. Even they asked, says, by what power or by what name did you do this? Dressing Peter. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if you are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected to, by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. This is how bold and empowered by the Holy Spirit Peter was when he started preaching the gospel of salvation through Christ. And we see Peter, a changed and courageous man. Not to mention also in the book of Acts, we can see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Stephen, the first martyr. Not to mention also Paul, formerly Saul, go from killing Christ's followers to becoming one and showing many others how to become true disciples of Christ. And then, here we can see the early church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. At one point, when you read through, Peter was preaching 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 at one point were added to the church. That's how we can see the power of the Holy Spirit during the early church. I'll share this. A committee, one, one day, a committee of ministers in a certain city was discussing the possibility of having D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, to serve as the evangelist during a citywide evangelistic campaign. Finally, one young minister who did not want to invite Moody stood up and said, Why Moody? Does he, does he have a monopoly of the Holy Spirit? There was silence. Then an old godly minister spoke up. No, he does not have a monopoly of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly of Dwight L. Moody. Perhaps most of you here, either here in the sanctuary or watching online, have basic knowledge about the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to experiencing the Spirit, it's a different story. Take a moment and ask yourself this question. When was the last time I experienced the power and presence of the Holy Spirit at work in or around me? If it was recently, consider taking a few minutes to reflect on what the Spirit of God did and how you saw Him at work. Thank God for His active presence in your life and praise Him for the way He is leading you even now. If you cannot recount or remember a time when the Spirit was at work in or around you, perhaps that is because you have been ignoring or neglecting the Spirit. Perhaps it's because you have a lot of head knowledge about the Spirit, but not much of a relationship with Him. The reality is that the early church knew less about the Holy Spirit. They just obeyed. They just trusted than most, of, than most of us in the church today, at least in the intellectual sense. Or we could say some of you here have studied or know more of the theology of the Holy Spirit than the early church believers. But they came to know the Spirit intimately and powerfully as He worked in and through their lives. All throughout the New Testament, we read of the apostles whose lives were led by the Spirit and lived out by His power. And now that we have context for the Spirit, came to the first disciples, and we studied the promise, the purpose, the power, now we will shift the focus to some practical truths about the Holy Spirit in us, lest we forget. Actually, the title should have, because as I read that forgetting God, reversing 
our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit, it seems less we forget the Holy Spirit in us, in you, in me, less we forget and what He does in our lives. So these are some of the practical truths. The Holy Spirit is God. He is equal to the Father and the Son. He is not a lesser or different kind of being than God the Father or God the Son. In Acts, I, maybe you are well, uh, you, have, you know this already, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Uh, this is the instance when uh, Peter confronted uh, Ananias. I read here chapter 5. The Holy Spirit is God. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was, was, it, was it not at your disposal? Say, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God, referring to the Holy Spirit as God. Then number two is, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an indistinct power or thing. Never speak of him as an it. Yeah, still uh, nowadays, still like you can see people repairing the spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, it. But never speak of him as an it, as if the spirit is a thing, influence or force that we can control or use. In John fourteen seventeen, we read that the spirit of truth dwells with you. And will be in you. This calls us to relationship with the Spirit instead of allowing us to think we can treat the Spirit as a power to be harnessed in order to accomplish our own purposes. He is a person who has personal relationships with not only believers, as we have seen, but also with the Father and the Son. We see the Spirit working in conjunction with the Father and the Son multiple times throughout the scriptures. Maybe we are also well versed of that Matthew 28, verse 19, the Great Commission, that we can see the Great Commission, go it, you. Uh, yeah, you know the Matthew 28, right? But baptizing that in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So also in the Genesis account of creation, he is seen actively engaged in the work of creation along with the Father and the Son. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. We read in the Gospel of John about Jesus' promise to his disciples that the Spirit will be with them forever. Remember we read that Christ is encouraging them, don't worry, but this time, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. So His Holy Spirit is eternal. And in Hebrews 
We read that it was through the eternal spirit that Jesus offered himself unblemished to God. You can see that also in Hebrews. It says it was through the eternal spirit that Jesus offered himself unblemished to God. So the spirit is not just a whimsical spirit who comes and goes like the word. He is an eternal being. The Spirit is also holy. Obviously, we, he is holy. Obviously, we commonly call him the Holy Spirit. And this is reinforced through the New Testament. Uh, in the New Testament, example is in Romans one, verse four, and Romans five five. You can read. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including who are called to belong to Jesus. Oh, sorry, it's verse 4. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Holy Spirit is not only eternal but holy. And in chapter 5 verse 5 of the same book, Romans, it says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. These are the theological words that essentially meant, mean the, the Spirit is all-powerful. So the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, all-powerful. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He is also omnipresent or present everywhere. In Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. He's everywhere, omnipresent. And also omniscient and all-knowing. All First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God is all-knowing. So these are some of his attributes that we will never fully grasp as finite human beings. In Isaiah 40.13, it says, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Or other translation, it says, 
who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as counsel. If we really cannot, in our human mind, we cannot really fathom the Spirit of the Lord. Though we will never be able to perfectly articulate or completely understand these attributes, may these aspects of the Spirit lead us to praise even with imperfect words and incomplete understanding. And now, if the Holy Spirit dwells within you, a number of things should be a part of your life. I don't know why I always have the acronym, but maybe that's how God gives me the uh, though I'm not that young, but I don't know every time, uh, Pastor, the first thing I, because I wanted to be simplified, <laughs> then now I have this uh, acronym. It's hard, the Holy Spirit is too long, though, so I just have the Spirit, but still the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now comes letter S. I hope it will somehow remember that the Holy Spirit in us, in you, in me, every time we see this acronym, we will be reminded, not neg no neglect or ignore, lest we forget. S, it seals the believer. It seals the believer. In Ephesians 1.13, and this is, how I encouraged by one of the deacon then uh, who preached this and this I think in essence that's part of his message is it seals the believer in Ephesians 1 13 14 and also chapter 4 verse 30 it says in Ephesians 1 13 it seals us and when I was reading uh, in, you know, in the Old Testament, it's not in the West, but in the Old Testament, uh, especially in, uh, when there was an instance that uh, uh, David sinned against God, he says, David sinned against God and he prayed, oh, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit in me. So it means the Holy Spirit is come and go. It's not. But for us, it's really, that's why when I read it, it's when Jesus Christ says, it is for your good, it's for your advantage that the Holy Spirit will be with you. It will indwell in you. It will be, it will be sealed in you. You have the privilege. Unlike before, when David's like, it seems, take not thy Holy Spirit in me. Here we see that in Ephesians 1.13 it says Verse in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believe in him were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit verse 14 who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we are possession of it to the praise of His glory. 
And also in verse 14, I'm sorry, 430, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Again, I don't want to dis uh, discuss about the grieving. There is quenching and grieving. I believe that's another sermon that we can deal with. But it says here, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And we know in the scriptures, Holy Spirit is somewhat pictured as, here it was sealed as an emblem. And we can see throughout the scripture, uh, it, it's uh, pictured as the wind. Now the picture dove, right? Fire, water, oil. Here, seal as an emblem was used. It speaks of his ownership of the believer. It is a finished eternal transaction. That's why it says in John 10, 20, nobody can pluck us out from the hand, from God's hands. And then next is P, produces fruit in the believer's life. So again, well, verse, uh, well known verse, Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of being led by the Spirit of God includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attitudes and actions will characterize our lives as we allow ourselves to be grown and molded by the Spirit, who is our sanctifier, mentioned in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We can see He sanctifies us right? day to day. I know the uh, pastor always say we are still life in progress. We That's why when I... Uh, uh, when I'm studying this, now it always reminds me when I upset with my wife. Oh, I, I always, now I remind, oh, no, I, I should not, I should love more because I, the Spirit is in me. I should, the Spirit is in me. It produces this uh, love. And, and my new, uh, perhaps, uh, you remember that it's hard to love. The unlovable sometimes it's hard to forgive. Or, but remember, when you remember this, lest we forget the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, in me. Let's remember the, uh, it produces fruit. So, In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says there, And we all, with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then, letter I, 
intercedes on behalf of the believer in Romans 8:26-27 not only it seals us or produces the fruit in us the holy spirit fruit of the but i intercedes on behalf of the believer in Romans 8:26-27 it says there Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit has His own mind and He prays for us. I don't know about you, but I find the thought of the Spirit of God praying for me according to the will of God extremely comforting. So many times in life, I haven't known what to pray, either for myself or for others. I remember when we were praying for my one of my sister-in-law. It's really hard to pray when one of your loved ones specially diagnosed with cancer suffering for almost uh, when you see just struggling sometimes you really don't know what to pray anymore we know that God is healer we know that God is our Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals but every time you see a loved one and sick especially with cancer you don't know what to pray anymore, right? But this is very comforting. The Spirit itself it says there with our groanings, right? So in any given situation, we may not know exactly how we should pray or what we should do. But we can take confidence in the fact that the Holy Spirit knows our hearts and the will of God and is always interceding on our behalf. And then letter I regenerates the believer. In John 3, 5 and Titus 3, 5. It says in John 3, 5, not only the Spirit shields us or uh, produces fruit in us, intercedes with us in behalf of us, but regenerates the believer. In John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in Titus 3, 5, also in Titus 3, 5, It says also He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. 
So by the power of the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from the sins we cannot get rid of on our own. This is a lifelong process we entered into in partnership with the Spirit when we first believe. And let next is I instructs or teaches the believer. As we have read in John 14, 26, that Jesus said to his disciples, In 14.26 But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Counselor teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. He is our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, our strength. He guides us in the way we should go. And then, letter T, lastly, it testifies, bear witness about Jesus. In John chapter 15, again, we read 26 and 27, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And Acts 1.8, But you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. From the Spirit we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. It is the Spirit who draws people to the gospel. The Spirit who keeps us with the strength we need to accomplish God's purposes. Not only that, it testifies, verse witness, our sonship in Romans 8, 15 to 17. It says in Romans 8, 15, 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also, that we may also be glorified. With him, it bears witness that we are children of God, our sonship. Through the Spirit, we have received a spirit of adoption as children, which leads us into intimacy with the Father. Instead of a relationship based on fear and slavery, the Spirit bears witness to us that we are his children. And then in conclusion, um, I remember, I don't know, every year with this uh, conclusion, as you remember, every year we have the GBC Constitution read in the church. We may not 
but you can check it with in your copy of your the GVC Constitution under Charts Covenant and Statement of Faith. In the Article 3, Section A, even our Constitution as Charts Covenant, the following covenant is to be read annually, even third Sunday of January, every third Sunday, I mean, by all members present. And this uh, article includes in respect to fellowship, ministry, stewardship, personal life. It says there, you can check and I think we will read that again. But I hope it will be a reminder lest we forget. It says there also, I pray that it might be said of this fellowship as it was said of the early church. Or we can say that it, it might be said of this church, the GBC, as it was said of the early church, it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers living in the fear of the Lord. Then lastly, I will uh, end this with uh, taken from uh, Francis Chan himself, from the, uh, I mentioned from that book, a testimony from Francis Chan himself. Uh, they were talking with, uh, he's speaking with his wife. It says here, and I quote, Years ago, when a random thought came into my head, I decided to share it with my wife. Have you ever wondered what caterpillars think about? I asked. Not surprisingly, she said, no. I then proceeded to tell her about the confusion I imagine a caterpillar must experience. No caterpillar. For all its caterpillar life, it crawls around a small patch of dirt and up and down few plants. Then one day it takes a nap, a long nap, and then what in the world must go through its head when it wakes up to discover it can fly. What happened to its dirty, plum, little warm body? What does I what does it think when it sees it sees its tiny new body and gorgeous wings. You know what I mean? You know the caterpillar in a cocoon? Suddenly it will... You know those who study biology, the cocoon in the, then suddenly becomes the butterfly. This is, I think, what uh, Francis Chan was telling. So as believers, we ought to experience this same kind of astonishment when the Holy Spirit enters our bodies. We should be stunned in disbelief over becoming a new creation with the Spirit living in us. As the caterpillar finds its new, its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our Spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. Isn't this what the Scriptures speak of? Isn't this what we've all been longing for? It really is, is a standing truth 
the spirit of him, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me he lives in me i want to live so that i am truly submitted to the spirit's leading on a daily basis christ said it is better right remember it's better it's for your advantage it's better for us that that spirit came and i want to live like i know that it is true i don't want to keep crawling when i have the ability to fly maybe this is first time perhaps the first time i have the opportunity to ask or request each one of you here at the sanctuary or even one of you one of you there or each one of you there watching online uh, to please uh, maybe this time ask you to please tell yourself the holy spirit you can do that the holy spirit is with me you can tell it by yourself the holy spirit is with me the holy spirit is with me the holy spirit in us let us pray the lord bless you and keep you the lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace and give you peace and give you Gracious, gracious, gracious.